Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. True biblical Christianity, different from any other religion is, we have a a Savior that died and defeated death by rising himself from the grave the only one that ever did it that's the jesus christ of the bible luke chapter 24 verse number one now upon the first day of the week very early in the morning they came unto the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre they entered in and found not the body of the lord jesus they came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout behold two men stood by them in shining garments And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and and all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. If you go back to the book of Mark, go there, uh, Mark chapter number nine. Mark chapter number nine It's no surprise. It shouldn't have been a surprise. Mark chapter 9, verse number 30. uh, Look what the Bible says. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered in the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. He told them. It shouldn't have been any type of doubting or disbelieving. And it says in verse 32, but they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. That's Mark chapter nine. In the previous chapter, Jesus had seven loaves, a few small fishes, and he was able to feed about 4,000. He makes a blind man see. The previous chapter before that in chapter seven, he cast out a devil, this uh, Syrophoenician uh, uh, woman, a daughter. He takes a deaf man who's got a speech impediment, and he heals him. The chapter before that, in chapter 6, his disciples are following him around, and they're watching him heal people. And he gives his disciples power over unclean spirits. Chapter 6, they saw all that. Chapter 7, they saw all that. Chapter 8, they saw all that. And then chapter 9 in Mark, they say they understood not the same. They didn't get it. He told them, I'm going to the cross. He told them I would rise again. What, Lord? I don't understand. What do you mean you don't understand? They've seen him do all of these things. Now, all of a sudden, wait, I don't understand. I'm telling you, the Bible is not hard to understand. But our hearts... Our hearts drift, and then we're just like, we say things that don't make sense. And the Lord just loves us enough to 
just keep moving on with his plan. Rise the third day. He did what he said he was going to do. Let's get back to Luke. We expect this world to live in disbelief. We expect this world to deny what we have come here this morning to proclaim. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's the only Savior, and he rose from the dead. The Jews called him uneducated. Back in John, the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? The Jews thought he was just an uneducated, not knowing anything, but he wasn't. They accused him of having a devil. They called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. Matthew eleven eighteen. for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he hath a devil. Son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. By the way, when we started reading at the beginning of Luke chapter 24, if you believed what Jesus said that he was going to do, why would we bring spices? You only bring spices for a dead body. Why would you spend time preparing ointments if you believed he would rise again, if you believed there wasn't going to be a body there? You wouldn't. Their hearts were hearts of unbelief. Why do they get there and they're so perplexed? Where's the body of our Lord? Gee, I don't know. Maybe it's where he said it was going to be. Up from the grave, he arose. That's what we're saying. That's what we believe. That's what the Bible teaches. Yet they come marveled. They're perplexed. They don't understand. And we expect the world to mock and scoff and laugh at what we do and what we believe. But those that walk with them... I would say to Christianity worldwide, I would say to evangelicals today worldwide, why is our doubt growing? Why is our unbelief growing? Why aren't we longing for a deeper relationship and a deeper understanding of the God of the Bible? Why don't we desire a more holy walk? Why don't we desire to live a more righteous life when we have a Savior that saved us from the depths of filthiness? You know what he said to the nation back in Ezekiel 36? Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. He is going to cleanse that nation that's in rebellion against him from all their filthiness and from all their idols. And we have individually a Savior that died for the whole world that can reach down and whosoever will come unto him. He will save them and clean them and wash them and you can drink living water. Living water. And it'll wash you. You won't be dirty anymore. You and I, when we got saved, we were cleansed from the filthiness and the unworthiness that we had before God.
That's what he did for us. I would submit to you a lot of our doubting, and I don't mean our, meaning the folks in this room. I just mean as evangelicalism worldwide is comes from the things that we listen to and watch. We need to turn off the news. Uh, we, need, we need to turn off all of this distraction that gets us away from the truths of the Bible. Stay informed, but don't get so informed that now you have an unbelief in God. We have churches, so-called churches, that are, that are filled with just happy, slappy, fun clowns that try to pass themselves off as Bible preachers, that rejoice in the fact that, oh, come on out, we're going to have an egg hunt. We're going to hide eggs. We're going to sit on the Easter bunny's lap. What? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus Christ defeated death. And the best thing you got is an egg hunt? Come on. We've got a risen Savior. Why aren't more people excited about that? Hey, can I tell you Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Hey, can I tell you you can have eternal life by trusting in the only one that defeated death? You know anybody else that can defeat death? Oh, you think the Easter bunny can? No, he can't. Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ can. I'm not against fun. I'm not against painting. I'm not against eggs. I have eggs three times a week for breakfast. But I'm telling you, there's something more nutritious. And that's the bread of life. That's the Jesus Christ of the Bible. If you don't know him, I'd like to introduce you to him this morning. He rose, rose from the dead. Up from the grave, he arose. Sometimes the trials in our life and the thorns in our life and the hardness in our life is so that we would look to him. Instead of looking to one day or two days or three days or five days out of the year when we go on vacation to find some joy and some happiness. You're not going to find happiness in a day filled with fun times if you don't have Jesus Christ as your savior. Look, I struggle at times just like you do uh, with, with various things. It's part of the Christian walk. Aren't those trials and struggles there? So that we would would to God look up to the Savior. We don't need pills. We don't need drinks. We don't need Dr. Phil, Dr. Hal, Dr. Oz. We need Dr. Grace. The grace of God to fill our hearts. Luke 24, let's get back there. We'll break and we'll start reading again. Verse number 12. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulchre. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And that's a pretty sad life, just wandering, just walking, just talking, and not knowing him. Let's stop, pause, and park on this thought. 
What if there's no resurrections? That's a gloomy life. That's a life where I can understand not being able to deal with the trial or the suffering or the pain. That's a dark life with no living God. And I think too many times we revel in the fact of it's great that we have a savior that we know and we trust and he saved us from our sin. But too many times I think we're it's we, man, we can slam somebody. Do you know you're a sinner? Yeah. I mean, we just love sometimes too much slamming people. You're separated from God. Your sin is the problem. What's the cure for sin? And I'm all for that. Unless they know they're a sinner. Unless they know that the wrath of God abides on them. And their need for a savior. They won't get saved. Why do we stop? And not glory as much in the resurrection, which is the greatest news about the whole thing. Why do I say that? Great. He died for our sins. Great. We're a sinner and he's the mediator. Great. He came to pay the price. Great. He died on the cross and he shed his blood. Okay. Great. Yeah, sure. I believe all that. But with no resurrection, there's no hope. Because we're dead in our sins. There's no defeating death and rising again. We must glory in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. That's the good news. The gospel. Don't leave out the resurrection. Spend more time on it than we ordinarily would. It's so good. It's so good. Bible says in Hebrews 9, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve God? Except it doesn't say that. I read it wrong. To serve the living God. Yes, he's our God. Yes, he's our creator. But more specifically, he's a living God. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to show you something here. Uh, verse 17. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 17. We'll start reading. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sin. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The good news of the gospel is the resurrection. We already talked about that. But if all you die, if all you do is live here on earth and just die, that's a pretty miserable life. That's a pretty dark life. And I can see how you would just be most miserable. Christ rose from the grave. We as well, we likewise, we will have a glorified body one day. Our bodies will rise again. Now, absent with the body, present with the Lord. Yeah, that's great. That's our soul. And that, that, that's glorious enough. 
we don't have to walk around doomy, gloomy Christians. Why? Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Yeah, but you don't know how stressful it is at work. Yeah, but Jesus Christ rose from the grave. You don't know how stressful it is dealing with COVID-19. Yeah, but Jesus Christ rose from the grave. You don't know how hard it is to deal. You know, this job got lost and I just got cut back and family life is stressful. Yeah, but Jesus Christ rose from the grave. I don't understand why people just can't be happy in the fact that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. And he defeated death and he rose again. We act like it's just some dead little G-God. Arise and walk in newness and life. And live like you're saved. Live like you're happy to be saved. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. What's the big deal? What, what does it make sense to go on an egg hunt on Saturday and be miserable Monday through through the rest of the week? What good does it do? You get three hours of fun day. And the rest of your life is just miserable. All most men miserable. There should be a joy. There should be a rejoicing. There should be a just a longing to want to be a happy Christian. Why? Because life is tough? No. Why? Because trials down here on earth hurt? No. I've been hurt just like you've been hurt. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive forevermore and rose from the dead. That's why. That's why. Praise be to his name. Let's get back to Luke 24. I think. Uh, in verse number 15 in Luke 24, I think this is an overlooked point. It's a simple point. I'll just draw it out quickly to your attention. Verse number 15, the Bible says, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He's a real person. In verse 39, we see the disciples can touch him. In verse 42, we see the disciples can eat with him. May I remind you that Jesus Christ is a real person. You can talk to him. You can pray to him. You can ask him things. Okay. He's not make-believe. He isn't. I can give you some make-believe characters. Jesus isn't one of them. He's real. As parents, we should teach our children that Jesus Christ is real. He's not a figment of your imagination. He is a real person, and he really came here to die and rose again. He's our sacrifice. to be in the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. And he had by himself purged our sin. That's where the purging comes. We don't go to a place to have our sins purged. Jesus did it on the cross. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is our savior who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Are you zealous of good works? 
Well, good works don't save you. I know they don't. But if you're saved, you should be zealous of them. That's what Jesus said. Verse, 20, uh, verse 16. Look what it says. But their eyes were holding that they should know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answered, said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? Look at the brevity of Jesus Christ in verse 17 and in verse 18. He asked them two questions. Very simply. Why does he do that? I'm chewing on this chapter last night. And I keep going back to these two questions. And I'm trying to figure out. Why does Jesus ask these questions? And I think I have the answer. I don't know if it's right or not, but I think it is. I think he wanted to hear it from them. I think that that's part of the community. And then I'm thinking to myself, why do we witness? We pass out all these tracks. We knock on all these doors. We hold all these scripture signs. We put the bumper stickers on our cars and on our trucks. We wear the T-shirts. We leave the track, at, 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 you know, after dinner with a tip. And I'm thinking, as I'm thinking about all this, I'm like, man, what's the result of all of it? And then these two questions came to my mind as I'm studying this out. And I said, you know what? Maybe the result is the Lord just gets to hear from us. Maybe the result is his name gets to be glorified. Maybe the only result we will get from all our evangelistic efforts will be somebody got to hear that they're a sinner. They're separated from God and God loves them enough to die for him. And he rose again and he's reaching out with the hand of salvation. Whosoever will. Maybe that's the result. Maybe that's the only result that we'll get here on earth is that the Lord we got to be used by the Lord to magnify his name. He got to hear us tell somebody else about him. Maybe that'll be the only result. Now, I want to see the whole town get saved. Brother Wes, he wants to see the whole campus on tech get saved. Now, those are some pretty, pretty hefty goals. I'm not saying don't have them. I've got them. <laughs> I want to do so much. We, we don't have enough money to do all the things that I want to do. <laughs> Every time I drive by and see a billboard or something, I'm like, oh, I wonder how much it would cost to put Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Then what I just stopped calling because, oh, that much? Never mind. <laughs> we don't have the money to do everything we want to do. That doesn't mean we shouldn't stop wanting and longing to do it. This guy, we went to, uh, I don't want to say the restaurant, make you think I'm plugging a restaurant, but we go to a restaurant in town and they had this thing, oh, you can fill out. And I don't know if you've ever sat at a table and they have the, um, you know, the placemat on the table and they have the advertisements where, you know, car dealer, insurance man and, and all that fitness center. And 
And they said, you know, fill out this card because we're going to be doing that. So I filled out the card and the salesman called me. I sat down with him. And after he told me the prices, I'm like, well, <laughs> we don't have the money for that. I'd love to be on a placemat at a, at a dinner table when people go and they eat. And they got to look down and the only thing they see is, well, the wages of sin is death. <laughs> Would you pass the chips, please? <laughs> and when they move the chips, they see, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I mean, I thought that'd be pretty good. Look, all my mind is always going on stuff to do. If we could do everything that we all wanted to do and had unlimited funds, it'd be great. And if the only result was some sinner read that and God's name got magnified, I'm good with it. I want to have all the results. I'd love to have more people in church. You'd love to have more people to fellowship with. You'd love to have your kids to have more good kids and friends to play with. I'm for you on all that. But what if the result is another kid gets to hear the gospel because your kid said, here's a gospel track. Are you good with that? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And then he says in verse number 19, and he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, watch this. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Mighty indeed. Bible says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. I'm tired of these preachers trying to make Jesus out to be some sissified, effeminate wimp. He's not. He's mighty. He's the son of God. And he is a mighty God. That's why the Bible says the great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. That's why the Bible says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not going to win somebody with a Hollywood movie. We're going to win somebody with the saving gospel of the mighty God. And it says our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. You're not mighty through God by trying to win somebody with a pizza party. I'm not against pizza parties, but if that's your best offer, I got something better for you. Jesus Christ. All right, then we, we can have pizza after that, right? Okay, yeah, amen. That's, trying to get some amen, that's one way to do it. What I'm saying is, whatever, I think Spurgeon said it, whatever you win them with, you end up having to keep them with. So, we have a mighty God. Look at Luke 24, verse 21. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. I don't know why they sound disappointed. He told him he would rise again. You would think that when they didn't believe that he would be crucified and died and then he did that. You would think that would solve their unbelief problem in the resurrection, but it didn't, but it didn't. Uh, 22, yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. It's just, I can't, I just can't, they just can't believe what has happened. Verse number 25. 
Then he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Uh, he shed some light uh, here by another question. Basically, three questions he asks during this, this, this passage here. Uh, you can't have glory, by the way, without suffering. You've got to preach the gospel, the entire gospel. And that's why you can't get to the glorious resurrection until you first go through the suffering. You can't separate the suffering from the glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Um, what, what Jesus does here before we move on, look it down at verse 25. See what he says? Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart. He's just opposing their wrong thinking. And this is why it's good to go to the Bible when you're witnessing. Because when you ask somebody a question and they give you an answer, it's great if you have the answer and you can give it to them. I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying what's great about going to the Bible is that it will you can see you can show them get my thoughts straight. You can show them where the Bible opposes their wrong thinking. And this is why when somebody says they're a good person, but you bring in the Romans and you show them, well, see, here's how God opposes that. This way, it doesn't become you trying to fight them. It becomes the Bible opposing their view. So food for thought on that. All right, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded on them and all the scriptures, the thing concerning himself. It's the master teacher in action. Bible says in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. He is expounding unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Don't make up. If you want to be like Jesus, don't make up stuff about Jesus. These painters and these artists and these authors it's pretty easy nowadays to sell a prophecy book and they just make stuff up. It's pretty easy nowadays to paint a picture or do an artist's rendering of Jesus to try to portray what he looked like. We don't know what he looked like. Uh, we know he doesn't look like the way that the artist drew it. <laughs> we can fairly say that. We have to expound based on what the scriptures say. You want a good estimation of Jesus, Jesus himself, is explaining things concerning what the scripture says. So there's no doubt in anybody's mind what saith the scripture. We have come to worship this morning the risen Savior. What you'll find is we're going to be in the Bible as much as we can so that you can confirm what is said. Lastly, I'd like to look at the, the abiding as we, as we start to close. Luke 24, verse 28. And they drew nigh into the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. 
and their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. <clears throat> it's amazing what a little bit of food will do for people. <laughs> I mean, it, it'll just open their eyes. You ever get real, real hungry? You ever have your kids say, I'm just starving? And then you say, then you don't know what starving is. <laughs> Would you like to know what starving is? No, I'm just starving, Dad. I'm just starving, Mom. No, you're not. You're hungry. And you're not getting food until you quit griping. <laughs> but isn't it amazing after you make your plea on just how hungry you are and how bad your parents are because they didn't feed you right when you wanted to get fed, and then you sit down and it's just, you just feel good. This is why they call it comfort food, by the way. There's something about sitting down and eat, eating that just revives you. And Jesus is, is sitting down here. They're sharing a meal. He took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. And they got it. And their eyes were open. Where were their eyes open? Around the meal. And I got to thinking, how rigid. Does Christianity have to become where it's, if you don't do it this way, you ain't right. If you don't knock 50 doors a week, you ain't right. If you don't pass out a thousand tracks in a month, you ain't right. Where do we get this rigidity that says, if you don't do what I do and the way that I do it, when I do it, that somehow you're out of the will of God. Let me ask you a question. I'm not for this whole friendship evangelism thing where you just kind of be happy, slappy friends with everybody and you never tell them the gospel. That's not in the Bible. But I'll tell you what is in the Bible, fellowshipping and sharing a meal, and they got it at this table. I think we need to get back to, how about we go out to lunch? Hey, can I take you out for some coffee? Can we just sit and chat? I just got some things in my heart and just care about you. and just I just love to be able to talk to you about it. Whatever happened to that? Why can't we do that too? Why can't we knock on doers, pass out tracks, hold scripture signs, wear the t-shirt, put the bumper sticker on, wear the hat, open air preach, and just say, hey, can I spend an hour, can I steal an hour of your time and buy you a meal? Because I got some things in my heart. And I just want to tell you a little bit about Jesus Christ. I would submit to you that we can get some work done that way as well. But they got it there. And as I'm reading that passage, I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking. As we get to this point, they got it at the table. Do you think that when Jesus was breaking the bread, do you think they noticed the nail prints and that gave it away? Or do you think that they were just so enamored with the fact that they're wow they're with the savior that they just completely overlooked that and were just wow i'm with the savior i don't know what it is but i just got to thinking man if i was sitting there what would it have been that gave it away it was probably all that he was and all of it but oh boy to be at the table with jesus christ you can come to that table Let's finish with Luke 24, 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us 
while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures. They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. You fellowship with the Lord? Do you know him? Has your heart changed? Can you not wait to tell somebody about Jesus Christ today or tomorrow or next week? Or, Brother Jimmy, when's the next church outreach? I can't wait to get out there and tell somebody about the risen Savior. We don't have a burning in our heart. If you search your heart this morning, you don't have a burning in your heart for the lost. As I search my heart, I don't have a burning desire for the lost. We live our lives to create comfort for ourselves. We live our lives to block out anything that would cause any type of, ooh, it's going to be conflict. The gospel must be preached. It's going to be confrontational. You must come out of your comfort zone. A burning heart and a desire for God requires that you step out in faith and requires that you get into the battle and tell somebody that Jesus Christ rose again. He rose again. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.